Praise the Lord. Amen. Man, I got to ask you, did you mean that? Man, did you, did you mean that, man? You know what I mean? Like, you know, like, like we were just singing it out. Amen. We were making a declaration. Amen. And I got to know, man, did you mean that when you said, I will put my trust in you alone? Amen. Amen. And I will not be shaken. Amen. Whoa! Boom! I thought you wasn't going to be shaken. Some of us kind of trip out when stuff like that happens. The lights go out. You start looking for sources of light. Like right now, some of you are, are grabbing, we're grabbing your phones, man, and we're I need some light, right? You know, so, some of you were, were actually thinking of a plan. Okay, wait, the lights went out. I need to come up with a plan because everything depends on me, right, to get us out of here, amen? Amen. I just want to invite you into a conversation about fear. Can I get the lights back on, please? <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Boy, I was tripping. All right, I do. I want to invite you uh, uh, into a conversation about fear because the truth is that we all fear what we don't know. It's kind of a natural thing. Every one of us fear something we don't know. And you know what? To tell the truth, man, fear of the dark is a is a pretty basic human fear. And I know some of you are like, I ain't scared of the dark. But if it was like totally blacked out in here, and all of a sudden you're starting to think, who's sitting behind me? Do I trust them? And then if you start to hear something like... <laughs> Just creeping up on your neck. You can't tell me that you ain't going to be. Some of you are going to start throwing punches. I already know it. I know who I'm talking to right now. All right. Every one of us have fears. All right. And some people know some of the things that we're afraid of. Right. And, and some people don't know some of the things that we're afraid of because we don't want to mention it. And there are fears that you about yourself that you may have not even discovered yet because you have not experienced them yet. All right, every one of us have fears. I remember, man, I can't, I love <laughs> Pastor Nick. You guys, some of you guys remember Pastor Nick, right? Yeah, he's up there knocking it out in Oregon, right? Anyways, I love when one of the first, when he first started coming around, man, Pastor Nick came over to, to my house and he was from Oregon. He's never really been in Arizona or hung around in Arizona. And, uh, and we're kicking it in my backyard and he's sitting in a chair, right? And I'm talking to him and I see this big wolf spider right behind him. All right, and some of you know, Pastor Nick and how he feels about spiders. At that time, I didn't know how he felt about spiders. And I, and I, so I got up while I'm talking to him, right? I got up while I'm talking to him and I grabbed a stick and I'm just talking to him and I'm like, and he's like, well, and I just went flip and it went right onto his foot. Big old wolf spider. He screamed like, whoa, like screamed and it tripped me out. It scared me. I thought, whoa, dude, are you okay? And he's like a spider. He jumped up off the chair and I flicked it at him again. All right. All right. Hey, what's up? Right. And he was like, ah, he screamed again. And so I had to flick it one more time. <laughs> right. And, and he screamed again. And my neighbor comes running over and he goes, hey, is everything all right? I go, what are you talking about? I go, yeah. I go, he goes, I heard a woman screaming. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> That's exactly what he said. True story. You can't make this stuff up. I heard a woman screaming. Nick goes, yeah, I'm right here, man. We all have fears. Right? I personally, you know, I don't like bears. All right? I'm not going to say I'm afraid of bears. 
I just don't like them. I don't even like bushes that look like bears, okay? All right? I just don't like them. We all have these things, all right? Here's the thing. Fear is a natural thing for us. It just is. And I believe that's why trust is supernatural. I believe trust is supernatural. To trust another human being, all right, is a supernatural act because we're people who naturally fear trust. We just do. And, and you know, we, we say we trust God, but I would ask you a question in that. What is the limit to that trust? You know, we always say, oh, I trust God. I completely trust God, you know. But, but, but when you consider your trust for God, what is the limit to your trust? When, when are you, when, when is your trust kind of run out when it comes to God? When have you, when does it kind of just kind of run its course? And so I want to challenge you to a thought. Our faith, our trust in Christ is the only thing, all right, that we have that lives beyond this life, all right? That lives beyond our trust, our faith, our love for God, all right? And our pursuit of God, that trust is, is the only thing that we're going to take with us or lack of trust or no trust is the only thing that we're going to take with us beyond the grave. If your faith, if your faith in God is for this life only, then I'm not really sure that you know what it means to totally trust God. I mean, is it, is it a live or die? Is it a live or die that I'm with you kind of trust? Is it a live or die that I'm with you kind of trust? Back in 1999, there was a young girl who was challenged with a gun to her head. She had a gun to her head, dude. It was one of, those, one of the first times that we actually saw these, these mass school shootings take place in Littleton, Colorado, Columbine High, Cassie Burnell. Some of you guys know the story. 17 years old, man, they put a, the, the, the shooters, the, the, they, they came in, man, they were just shooting kids up, man. They put a gun to Cassie's head. And they asked her, do you love God? And she looked up on the other side of the barrel, looked at the guy, and said, yes, I do. And he said, why? She didn't get a chance to answer, because he pulled the trigger. And right there. How in the world was she so confident with a gun pointed to her head? How in the world did she live beyond the moment of that fear, seeing her classmates just fall to the bullets? And yet know that, you know what? That this question was, pr was pretty much going to get her killed. And she said yes. I don't know, you know that you know this, but, the, the, but this last year alone, last year, just last year across the world, there were 5,600 Christians were killed for their faith. More than 2,100 churches were closed or attacked and closed down, all right, because of their proclamation of Christ. Over, over 124,000, all right, Christians were forcibly displaced from their homes because of their faith in Christ. And research has shown that, that Christianity is the mo world's most persecuted faith across all nations, as well as the largest growing faith, and continues to be the largest growing faith. And we look at these things, man, you know, because we got it pretty good over here. 
right? Or do we? Because we're starting to see the same thing happen around here, man. I mean, it's last year, a whole church shot up. 26 people killed. 24 people, I think it was, that were injured. Little girls, teenagers. Adult. The guy just came into a church, started blowing people away. And they're still praising God, and they're still worshiping God in the midst of this persecution. What in the world's going on here? Well, I think it takes, we, we need to take note here. Look at what, what, what uh, uh, Pastor Paul, the apostle, all right, wrote to a pastor named Timothy. He said in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12, he said, Indeed, all who desire to live. Not just say, not just wear the t-shirt or have the earrings or the tattoos that says Jesus. All, right. All who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus, in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. While evil people and imposters, pretenders, and people just constantly, all right, just pretending to fake the front, all right, will go on from being from, from bad to worse, being deceived and, you know, and deceiving and being deceived. So this is going to keep happening. What are you going to do about all that? <laughs> well, I'll tell you, Jesus tells us, he says, don't be afraid. He tells us not to fear. He tells us not to be shaken. Not to be shaken up. Let's put that to the test. Father, we give you the praise. And we give you the honor and we give you all glory, Lord God, in the mighty name of Christ. We just say thank you. Help us, Lord God, to be extremely honest with ourselves today to be so honest with ourselves, Lord God, that we allow you to speak into some of the corners of our life that we, we sometimes just kind of cover up and act like they're not there. Help us, Lord God, to just be open and bear before you. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. So check it out. We're going through Luke. And we're in Luke chapter 12. And uh, we're in pretty important. It, it gets pretty... The, the sermons from this point until Easter are very, very progressive. From last, actually, last week. Let me just tell you something. Where are you guys at? If, if you guys are online and if you're watching right now online, all right, if you're watching online right now and you didn't see last week's sermon, turn this off right now. It'll still be there. Go back and watch last week's sermon because it's so foundational to what we're talking about today. And, and then every sermon will be very, very progressional all the way until Easter. You need to check it out. All right, and that goes for all of you guys here too. So, I mean, you can't pause this one. All right, and then go back. This is not going to happen, right? Anyway. <laughs> Some of you are like, I wish I could. Anyways, um, <laughs> yeah, too bad. All right, and so we're in uh, Luke chapter 12, and we're in verse 4, and, and Jesus is continuing a conversation. They, there's all these crowds are gathering, the thousands of people, it says, and they're, and they're trampling over one another, and Jesus starts telling them, you know, to, to watch out for the, you know, the, 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 the hypocrisy of the religious leaders of that time, and he's putting them on blast. He's like getting them all, everybody all riled up. And then he tells, he looks to his disciples. How do I know this? Because he calls them friends. He says, look at I tell you, my friends, don't fear those who kill the body and after that have nothing more that they can do. 
All right, he's talking to his boys in the presence of all these thousands of people. Why? Because Jesus just had no problem putting the religious leaders at that time on blast, just kind of putting them on front and just calling them out in their hypocrisy because they were a bunch of pretenders. They were telling people stuff and they weren't living it out, man. And I will tell you, if you're going to listen to anybody, all right, that is preaching the gospel, that is teaching the gospel to you today, you know what, man? Look over their shoulder, and see if they've, if they've meant it. Uh, this morning, I'm getting out, man, and I'm taking my dog out to go to the bathroom, and my neighbor is over there, and I recognize she's shoveling her car to get out of, of the snow still, right? And I was like, man, it's really too bad for her. And I went back in the house and had my coffee, all right? Just kidding, all right? <laughs> I thought, you know what? So I went to grab my shovel and start to help her. She said, no, please, 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 please don't do that. And I was like, well, yes, I'm going to do that. I would preach a false gospel if I couldn't, if I saw you right here in the, I got a shovel right there. So, so, and then sure enough, man, boom, got right, right out of there. Look over the shoulders of those who are talking to you. Jesus says, look at man. He put these guys on blast and said, you know what? These guys are all fakers, man. And, and he's, he's actually becoming more and a more of a target for retaliation by these religious leaders. And when he says, don't fear those who kill the body and after that have nothing more they can do, he's letting his disciples know, look at man, it's getting more and more sketchy to follow me and it's going to get even more sketchy to follow me. Praise the Lord. Praise, praise the Lord. And what's crazy is we know today something they didn't know then that each one of the disciples that were following and saved one were killed for their faith. They were sold out followers of Christ. They were killed for that. They were killed because they lived and preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. I mean, James was, was one, of the, one of the, I think it was even the brother of James, James the Just, he was actually uh, preaching and, they, and they, they took him to the pinnacle of, this, of, this, of the temple and they threw him off the temple and because they didn't die, they beat him with clubs. Thomas was ran through, like four different dudes ran him through with spears. Peter was crucified upside down, all right? <clears throat> um, I forget which one was beheaded. And, and there, John was actually, they tried uh, killing him, the apostle John, but they ended up just, they tried boiling him in oil and he didn't die. And then they, 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 uh, they, they sent him out to this, they, they, uh, what do you call it, exiled him to this island. And he didn't know that. And Jesus told him, look, man, don't fear those who can kill the body. But after that, have nothing else they can do. And you see, their example lived on, and the example of Christ continued. Just a couple of hundred years later, there was this Roman legion, or they're called the Thundering Legion. They're 40 just military, just hardcore UFC military dudes that love Jesus. And the governor, one of the Roman governors said to them that they needed to bow down to the Roman gods as well. And, and they actually, matter of fact, deny that faith. And they said that we can't do that. I mean, uh, it was, uh, it was, it was on, Licinius was the emperor at the time. And this, and this guy that was one of the leaders of the, of the legion, the thundering legion, his name is Commodus. He says, nothing is dearer or greater honor to us than, our, than Christ our Lord. And they started to offer him. They said, look, man, you, they, they knew that these guys were an, an, an elite unit, man. And they were like, you know what? You, you know what? We'll, we'll, we're we're going to we'll bless you guys. We'll give, you, we'll give you, you know, more land and more property. Just deny this faith, man. It's just spreading too much. We need to put a stop to this. And they said, you're offering uh, money that remains while we enter a glory that is never fading. 
And they said, look, man, we'll bring you into the courts of the emperor, maybe even make you personal guards for him. They said, you would have us make, he said, you would have us, you know, make a friend of the emperor while alienating our true king. Can't do it. And so the governor said, you know what? He said, we're going to torture you. We'll torture you and we'll kill you. And he said, you know what? For the love of God, we're prepared to endure any kind of torture. And it, was, it got even more crazy because they took him to this frozen lake, man. They took him to this frozen lake and all, and all this, you know, the, the, these soldiers kind of you know, rushed them out to this lake, stripped them naked and put them out in the water in the middle of this frozen lake. And they said, we will let you come out of there if you'll just deny your faith. And they started to encourage one another in there, man. And, you know, they, and they were talking to each other. They said, how many of our brothers fell in the fight loyal to an earthly king? Is it possible for, for us to fail to sacrifice our lives for the one true king? And they started shouting to one another, oh, warriors, let us not turn our backs on this fight. Let us not turn our backs on this fight. Let us not run and flee from the devil. And they set up these, right around the lake, they set up these bonfires, all right, where they were just warming themselves by the fire. They set up these tubs and started filling them with hot water. They said, man, if you guys would just deny your faith, you could come and warm yourself up. Out of the 40 men, one guy couldn't take it. And he got out of the water. And he went to warm himself up by the fire and got in one of those tubs. When one of the soldiers that were guarding them from getting out, were, were, that were keeping them, you know, at, at, at sword point, saw that, he stripped all his clothes and went and joined the guys in the water. And he shouted, I am a Christian. I'm with you, brothers. And he died before the glory of Christ. And God says, and Jesus says, don't fear those who kill the body and after that have nothing more than they can do. You know what? I know physical death is a real thing. We, we know this, all right? Whether it's for or because of our faith, all right? Or because of something else, every one of us are gonna die. <laughs> wow, there's an encouraging thought for today, all right? Let's go to lunch, all right? And so, <laughs> but the believer's real life, our real, true, our eternal life is eternal one to be spent in the presence of God. And no outside power can affect this. Like, what more are they going to do to you after he's saying, what are they going to do after they kill you? Kill you again? It can't happen. See, so check this out, man. Jesus never guarantees. Get this straight, church. All right, this is a very, very important message for you to hear. Jesus never guarantees that it will keep us from dying. It's going to happen until he comes back for his church. All right, but he'll be with us and strengthen us. And we have an eternal glory that is far beyond this life. And we forget that. We get caught up around here, man. Shiny things, man, just attract us all day long. I want one of those. I want one of those. This is cool. This is just like heaven. All right? You know what I mean? And we get there. But there is a far more eternal glory. There's something else I want us to think about. Man, we may not be confronted with death for our faith, and you probably won't. But we are confronted with the death of our affections and our comforts when we follow Christ. You see, the Pharisees lived a very comfortable life, and there's nothing wrong with a comfortable life. Please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But they were preaching a false gospel to achieve that comfortable life. Now, that's a problem. And they were put on blast 
And, and, and if anybody would follow Jesus, they were being in danger of being ostracized by the religious elite at that time. And that's something that every one of us here can relate to. You see, when, 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 when we give our lives completely to Christ, it means death of a previous reputation, potentially uh, of a life that was lived before Christ. I knew that I alienated myself from a whole life that I built for 32 years that was just pure trash. It means death in some cases to some social statuses. I've seen people just ostracized from communities because of their faith. And sometimes it even means death to potential finance or, or income or even vocation. I've seen people uh, let go of jobs because they would not compromise their faith in order to go and get that sale or make that happen. And the boss was like, if you can't do that, I mean, we don't need you around here. But they would not compromise their faith. I've even seen death to long life relationships. I've had friends personally, man, that have said, you know what? And they just don't want, eh, it's a little too crazy for us, bro. I've had to tell my friends one time, man. I remember when I first gave my life to Christ, I had a couple of friends, man, and they wanted to go do some stuff that was crazy, and they, they came to get me to go with them, and I was like, I can't go with you guys. I told them, I really wish you would come with me, though. They didn't want to come. And Jesus tells us, he says, but I will warn you whom to fear. Fear him whom, whom after he has killed has authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you to fill him, fear him. I love preaching through books of the Bible and verse by verse because you can't skip stuff. There's a lot of people who like to just skip that verse. But, it's, but Jesus said this. And there's a couple of things I think we need to think of. Like, what, what does it mean to fear God? What does that mean? I mean, if he's walking around in pure terror, like, oh, you know, be totally afraid of God. What does it mean to fear God? And I, I want to challenge you. There, this, this idea of fear here in reverence to an almighty God, it literally means to, to have this respect and this reverence and this awe before God. To fear God is to make him that your heart's motivation and orientation. I remember when I was a kid. It's the only thing I think of right here. When I was a kid, I was about 19, 18 or 19, and me and some friends went to go climb Yosemite Falls. Anybody ever been to Yosemite Falls? It's beautiful. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. All right? It's this huge waterfall, and it's all coming out this big, giant rock. And we said, we're going to climb this thing. And it took all day for us to get to the top, pretty much all day. And it was, it was getting late afternoon when we made it to the top and we set up camp at the very top of Yosemite Falls, all right? And I thought, I wanted to go to the edge and see, just take a look down, all right? I went to the edge, all the way to the edge. And then I jumped, just kidding, all right? Uh, <laughs> All right, I just want to make sure you're listening. All right, anyways, I, I got so close to the edge and I was just amazed at what I saw. All right, I got close to the edge. All right, I got very, very close, but I didn't get disrespectively close. You know what I mean? I didn't get foolishly close to the edge. And, I, and while I was there on the edge, I, I, was, I just embraced this, the grandness of the scenery. I was struck by it. Right, by the grandness and the greatness of this, of this scenery that I was looking at. I was amazed by it. But I also had an amazing respect for its power and for the power of God. Because I can't think of a man on the planet or a group of men on the planet or a nation that could have created what I was looking at. And I was just in awe of it. And I also respect it because if I took one more step, my life is done. <laughs> So there was that respect before that. 
And, and so here's what I know, man, is, is our God is such an amazing God. He's such an awesome God. And I recognize that, you know what? I cannot live without him. You see, there's a difference between fearing God and being afraid of God. Let me just kind of point this out really quickly. Fear of God draws you toward him, but being afraid of God is gonna push you away from him. Do you understand what I'm saying? Fear of God is the fear, the awe, the reverence, the respect of God draws me closer to him. While I'm afraid of God, I wanna run from him. And when I'm afraid of God, I'm afraid that he wants to take all my stuff. He wants to change things I don't wanna change. And you know what? I'm just gonna have a little bit of God, but I really don't want God, so I'm gonna run from him because I'm afraid of what he's gonna take away. But the fear of God draws me toward him. And we were talking about this in sermon prep and, and Megan was sharing this is an example about her father and the, and, the, and the fear, awe, respect that she had for her dad. You see, her dad was her provider, she said, her supporter, her defender, her protector. And because of that, he was loved and respected and even obeyed. You see, you can have a healthy respect for someone you love. If you believe God is good, you can have a reverence and awe, all right? But if not, you're just gonna have terror. And I believe that the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the time of Christ, all right, seemed to be afraid of God, and so they built a wall of religion between them and God. Because it's that way, their way of appeasing God rather than pleasing God. That's something to think about. I love the line in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. You guys see that movie? All right, it's also a book. <laughs> Shows my intelligence level. Did you see that movie? It was a good flick, huh? All right, it was actually a book that was well, printed years and years before. But she says, Susan, all right, one of the, the sisters, when going to meet Aslan, all right, uh, you know, who is basically in the movie a representative of Christ, She's on her way to go meet Aslan, and, and, and uh, she's talking to Mr. Beaver, all right? And she tells him, is he quite safe, she says. She says, I, I shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. And he says, safe, Mr. Beaver replied. Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. He's the king. Our God is an awesome God. He's an almighty God. He's a powerful God. He's a thundering, just creator of all things God. He is the creator of time and space. And Jesus holds everything into the palm of his hand. Everything in him consists. This whole world, this whole solar system would fall apart if not for the power of an almighty God. And yet, he loves you. He loves you. He loves you so much. He loves you. Is he safe? Well, of course he's not safe. But he's good. And he's the king. And Jesus goes off, man. He says, you know, and verse six, he says, are not, and it's kind of like, okay, let me just kind of review here really quickly to keep us in track, all right? He says, I tell you, friends, don't fear those who kill the body and after that have nothing more than they can do, Right? And then he says, but I will warn you of whom to fear. Fear him who after is killed has authority to cast in the hill. Yes, I, I tell you, fear him. All right, and he's a good God. And then he says, all right, he gives him a little, little tiny parable in a sentence. He says, are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? And not one of them is forgotten by God. He brings up something so insignificant 
as an example of God's, you know, not only sovereignty, but care. I mean, when's, when's, the, when's the last time, how often do you think about sparrows? I mean, when's the last time you used sparrows in an intelligent or important uh, conversation? All right? When's the last time you brought up some sparrows? All right? <laughs> Jesus reminds us how God looks at parts of creation that we barely think about. I know some of you here say, I think about sparrows all the time, man. You know what I mean? I'm bird watcher, do that kind of stuff. All right? And I know it. I get it. All right, some of us, we, you think more about creation than, than others, and I get it. I remember not too long ago, all right, a while back, I don't know if the fishermen, do the fishermen still use nets for tuna? Does anybody know that? All right, I don't know. I remember last time, it was a really big deal that the dolphins were getting caught in the tuna nets. Does anybody remember that? There's this big old, well, the dolphins are getting caught in the tuna nets. The dolphins. Does anybody care about the tuna that is getting caught in the tuna nets? All right, nobody cares about the tuna. Everybody's freaking out on the dolphins. Why? Because we had one time, we had a, 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 they're cute, they're cuddly. We had a show called Flipper. You know, he did all kinds of stuff. All right, and you know, so we fell in love with dolphins, but nobody cares about the tuna. Why? Because they're ugly, all right? They have big old bulging heads and their eyes are crazy. If you had a date with somebody who had a literal head of a tuna, you would call in sick on that date. I guarantee it. I know this. Well, that kind of went out of control. Anyways, um, <laughs> what I'm trying to say is despite the, the, the insignificance of these little birds, not one of them escapes God's attention. God will care for those who call themselves his, even when it includes death. And Jesus says in verse 7, why even the hairs of your head are all numbered. And then he, lo- he throws it down. Fear not. You are more valuable than many sparrows. He's telling us we fear all the wrong things. And the, one we, and, the, and the one we should fear tells us not to fear. That, that a life free of fear is possible. Even from death. And he says, you are more valuable than the sparrows. He, he speaks value into our lives. I don't know about you know, how much you care to admit this, but, but our lives are on an undisclosed search for value constantly. All right? We're looking everywhere for validation. You know, social media, uh, so, uh, you know, different, you know, how, how, how we present ourselves in, in, in certain circles or whatever. All right? And many times I see you know, guys looking for validations from girls, girls looking for validations from guys, and guys saying, look at man, I've already validated you. I've already proved, God has already proved your value to him. You're like, how's he done that? We see, we've been pushing ourselves away from God since existence of humankind. And God has been pursuing us since we've been pushing him. And then finally, there was this child that was born, the son of the living God, God himself to bridge the gap that we constantly, even today, still create. And when he became a man, and it came time for his sacrifice to to close that gap, he was in a garden. And he had some guys with him. And he says, man, guys, stay awake. Don't fall asleep, because you might fall into temptation. Just stay with me. 
and he couldn't do it. And he went to go pray. And he told the Father, Father, if this cup can pass from me, let it be so. But if not, your will be done, not my will. In other words, I'm going to do whatever it takes because we love these people. Because we love them. And because they're so valuable. And shortly after that, they came. And they arrested him. And he spoke a word, man, and they all fell down. And then they got back up. And then one of the boys like woke up and like, hey, man, what? Wait. Went to go cut a dude's ear off. Jesus like, man, really, Peter? Come on. Seriously? <sighs> Put it back on the guy's head. It was crazy. Right? And he said, I can, I, at any time, I can just command the legions of angels to come and just take this out. He goes, this is what needs to happen. And he went to be beaten, to be tortured, to be mocked. I am beaten to the point of almost death. And then to stand ridiculed before mankind as he was dying for mankind. And then even the people all shouted, crucify him, get rid of him. And his beaten body, they made him carry that cross. They made him carry this cross all the way to the place of his, of, 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 of his, his location, of his execution. And he nailed him to this cross for your sins and for my sins. He, he let them do it. All right? And they lifted up the cross and thunk into the hole, man. And he, and he stayed there all day until he said, it's, it's finished. It's finished. I've closed the gap that we created. This is not a moment to feel guilty because guilt is a poor motivator and God never motivates you by guilt. This is a time to be convicted by the love of Christ and to recognize that you are more valuable than anything, all right, than any created thing. You are his most valuable prized possession. And he gave his life to prove it. He, he paid for it by his blood. And he proved it by his resurrection. You see, and I tell you this often, why did he have to do that? Because in God's justice, he demanded a payment. He is a holy and righteous God, and we were not. And sin cannot approach that holiness. And God, in his judgment, in his justice, demanded a payment for that sin, your sin and my sin. By his mercy, we're not all wiped out in, in, in a blink of an eye because of our sin. And in his grace, he made the payment for our sin. He made the payment. And his grace invites us to own this story as our own. You are that valuable to him. His death paid it. His resurrection proved it. Let me just tell you this. The opposite of fear is peace. And the only way to receive his peace is by his grace. That's why you see Paul start all these letters. He starts it like here in Galatians chapter 1, verse 3. All right, Grace to you and peace from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you has to be received in order to receive the peace that can only come from God. 
Do you know who your worst persecutor is? We all have persecutors for our faith, but do you know who your worst one is? Your worst critic to your faith is you. When you remind yourself of yesterday, when you remind yourself of last night, all right, whatever, or whatever, as if your life is the only life on the planet that he didn't pay for with his blood. See, the grace of God must first be trusted and received before you can have the peace of God. It doesn't mean that yesterday didn't matter now and the things that you did before didn't matter now. It does mean that they've been covered by his blood and they no longer need to control you. You see, my life before Christ is a life that would have no problem controlling my future with all the regrets, with all the hurts and all the people I've hurt. But even today, my past tries to haunt me, all right? Tries to consume my day-to-day thoughts, all right? Trying to rob me of any peace, all right? But the grace of God, all right? This undeserved favor, this undeserved forgiveness that is poured out richly by the blood of Jesus Christ, all right? Not, not, it covers not only my past, but my present and my future and leads me into a life of peace. Peace with God and peace with myself. Peace with God and peace with yourself. Bought and paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ and proven by the resurrection of our great God and King. Amen. Amen. So what do we want to do about all that? (laughs) What are we going to do about all that? That's a lot, all right? But actually, it's really not. I just want to challenge you to ask a different question today. And why don't you, I want to give you a question to ask for just for the next seven days, the seven-day question. But I want to give you a verse to read, one verse, very simple verse, Galatians chapter three, I mean, chapter one, verse three. And it's that verse we just read, grace to you and peace from God, our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus just started talking about all this fear and don't fear, man. You know, you fear this and you fear that and you fear this and I'm telling you one, the one you need to fear tells you not to fear. God bless you. All right. You are so good looking. Anyways, no. you ever see that sign fall next? Never mind. Anyway, so. Um, Galatians 1, chapter 3 says, Grace to you and peace from God, our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. What would it look like just for the next seven days for you to just read that one verse every morning? Just for seven days, man. And you know what? I've already read it for you today, and I want to challenge you to a thought right now and a question. And then tomorrow, man, just read that one verse again. I want to challenge you to a thought and a question. The thought is to receive it as you read it. When you read that verse, receive it as you read it. Grace to you and peace from God and our our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Receive that as you read it. And here's the question I want you to ask this week. For the next seven days, what is stopping me today from receiving the grace and the peace of God? Real simple. Receive this. Read that verse. As you read it, try and receive it and recognize. Ask this question, man, and answer it. What is stopping me today from receiving that grace, the grace and peace of God, 
And then when you answer that question, you can really think, okay, is this bigger than the grace and peace of God? And you'll recognize it pales in comparison. Amen? Because the opposite of fear is peace. And you can have peace even in the dark. Amen? Praise the Lord. Each of you have been given a little representation this morning. All right? You've all been given a little representation this morning. And what I mean by that is if, if, you, if you know the story, then bear with me. If you don't, let me just share it with you. The night that Jesus, that he went into the garden and they arrested him, just shortly before that, he was hanging out with his boys in a room. And he, and he did some, he did some amazing teaching there. You can read John chapter 13 through, through chapter 17 and just have an amazing picture of what was taking place in that room. But one of the things he did is he, he grabbed the bread and he told them, he says, this is a representation. I want to share with you a new covenant, a new relational, you know, commitment that God has with you and that you should have with God. He says, this is, this is my, my body that is being broken for you. And he says, as long as you gather, when you gather, I want you to take this and, and, and eat this in remembrance of me. He took the wine and he poured it in a cup. And you could just see the red wine just being poured from the carafe into the cups. And he said, this is my, my blood that is being poured out for you. And when you gather together, man, I want you, I want you to, to, to drink this in remembrance of me. The apostle Paul will come along later on and say, look, man, some of you guys got carried away with this. Is this become like an afterthought or a religious movement or even something that's been very disrespected? And he says, oh, you need to examine yourself before you take this. I will tell you this, that, that, that this is not for everyone here. And you're like, wait a second, hold on. If you are a follower of Christ and you have unforgiveness in your heart, how can you drink forgiveness from the Lord? If you are a follower of, of Christ, right, and, and, uh, and you have sin just rampant in your life and you don't want repentance, you don't want to repent of that sin, how can you drink the cup of forgiveness when you, have not, when you don't want it? You see how it doesn't make sense sometimes? If you don't know Jesus, then this is just potentially just a, a ritual or something and it's worthless. So it's not really for everyone here, but everyone here needs to take of this cup and of this bread today. And you're saying, that doesn't make sense. Yes, it does. If you're a Christian and you harbor unforgiveness, man, get on your face today. Get on your knees or just stand up and ask God to help you forgive that person that you just cannot forgive. Unforgiveness is like what? Drinking poison and hoping the other person's gonna die? It ain't gonna happen. Right? Forgive. It doesn't mean you have to go find the person because they might hurt you again. You know, you just stay, just sometimes we need to forgive from a distance and forgive in our heart. If you have sin that is just running rampant in your life and, and you know what, you're having a struggle, man, just, just 
you know, just giving this up. You can't give it up, recognize that, without the power of Christ. Ask Christ to help you to stand in his glory and to give you the strength to give up that sin and repent. Mind changed, heart broken, and hands that prove it. Walk away from that sin for his glory. If you don't know Jesus, if the story is still just a story to you, if you've been hearing it, man, and you're like, man, I don't know, man, what has taken you so long? Today is that day. This is that time. And I'm not saying that as a cliche. This is, it is right now. Any, the moments that we have in this life are not promised. He just got through telling us. Receive the gospel. If you can believe in your heart that Christ died for your sins and that rose from the grave and you confess with your mouth, he is the king and Lord of my life. I am no longer that king and Lord. This is your time. We're gonna be standing up here in a minute. We're gonna have some people praying. If you need help with that, those, those prayers, come and pray. Keep your little, and then after you're done praying, then take it. But right now, together, done that work. I'm going to give you a moment right now just to do that work with God, whatever it is. So bow your heads with me, please, or lift your heads up to the sky. However you pray, pray. I'm not here to tell you how to pray. And Father, I pray in the name of Christ for each of those here, Lord God, that have a hard time with unforgiveness, that you would give them the strength and the power to truly forgive. Father, I pray for those here that are struggling with a sin that they feel they cannot give up, that you would empower them to repent at this moment. And Lord, this whole family of God prays for those here that don't know that they can know you yet, that they would just stand and declare you are king in their life. Amen. Together, let's take the bread to Jesus. Together, the fruit of the vine to Jesus. Lord, we remember you and we'll never forget. And we're with you today in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Knock it out.